listening to season two of Pod. We are sisters, one West Coast, one East Coast, one straight mom of toddler twins, one gay, uh, multiply divorced, <laughs> one lifelong gag of the Chrissy fan, one new reader. Season one got the two of us through the first shitty year of COVID. Follow along with us for season two as we drink and sometimes remember to talk about the book. Welcome to Proropod! Proropod! We are back after a long hiatus, and I just cut Portia off from the story so that we can share it with the audience, that we previously recorded half an episode and then i passed out mid-episode and was like <laughs> nodding and dozing she, <laughs> she was, was like are like, you yeah. asleep and i was like no no i'm totally totally into she this. was nodding at the wrong times like i'm telling about the murder and she's like oh and i'm like oh you're not <laughs> even listening are you um that's late because it, as to to remind the audience or for any new listeners, which we have been getting, um, I'm on the East Coast of the United States and you're on the West Coast. So when we record, it's often getting to like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. my time and you're just and it's three hours earlier your time. Right. Right. So uh, I just and that used to be. I'm like, I'm a night owl. That's fine. Whatever. I don't go to bed. In the early pandemic, it was like, whatever. (laughs) What else is there to do except for stay up late? We were doing it on Tuesday nights. Do you remember that? Oh my gosh. Were we? Yes. We were doing it twice a week. I just had to roll out of bed and be on telehealth. (laughs) Right. Anyway, so we recorded half an episode on the book N or M by Agatha Christie, and then I passed out. And then life has gotten complicated for both of us. um, Yes, it has. Since then, and so we haven't recorded, um, and we miss it. And uh, the podcast application that we use um, sent us a needy text message. Right. Um, It was like, like, I miss you. Do you not like (laughs) me anymore? And, you know, who are we to deny uh, a podcast application and are <laughs> sending out an Autobot message saying you haven't <laughs> recorded in two months. So, uh, but no, we really, we really miss it. And because we're in a complicated place in life, um, my suggestion was um, uh, that we do another one of our special episodes so we're going to do it on the first Franny Fisher novel, which is Cocaine Blues, which is clearly a Nagatha Christie nod slash derivative slash inspired by. But um, as we were talking about what is really nice about reading that book series, so it's Franny Fisher. Um, there's there's many books by Carrie Greenwood. 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 Greenwood were reading written starting in the 1980s what's nice about them is when you're in a challenging point in life is that it's a very formulaic mystery and right. it, and what what is genius about agatha christie is that she's always trying to push the envelope make it more disturbing <laughs> let you not guess the murderer someone else falls down a well you know there's more and sometimes when you're uh, low resource <laughs> You can't tolerate that and you need a formulaic something 
that also has that uh, detective story uh, arc that we like. So um, and, we've both and been what, taking a break from the Agatha Christie's and going into this Franny Fisher series while things are challenging for us. Yeah, so this summer I started it by actually reading a new, so Clary Greenwood is still writing Franny Fisher. And if you're thinking that name sounds familiar, it's because there was a TV series done. Miss Fisher's the, Murder Mysteries? Miss Fisher's? Something like Miss Fisher's Adventure. Yeah. Miss Fisher's Mysteries. Anyway. Miss um, Fisher's Murder Mysteries, which was an Australian drama series because the books and movie are set in Australia. Yeah. So, um, and so you might have seen it. And that's actually how I knew, because I had watched that whole series and it was super fun. And the books are even more fun. So, even more of what I liked about it. And so, um, they because franny fisher is the opposite of her her q her q i actually think that was your best pronunciation ever although you made a very funny face i think that was the <laughs> frenchiest french you ever french if i if i make the worst face ever i could say it right but she is okay um she is the opposite see that's funny because when i was doing our themes in our document when i when when i think of miss marple she could be the opposite of miss marple Mm -hmm. anything of of hugh paro and her she could be the opposite but she's also their descendant because they're both on they're all unmarried detectives Mm -hmm. who work in some sort of relationship to the police, whether it's uh, antagonistic or agonistic with the police, they are all unmarried and not tethered to anyone. They are all a little bit outside. Well, I, except for Miss, well, even Miss Marple, because they're all a little bit outside. And we haven't actually. It's funny. We've done so many books, and we really haven't done that many Miss Marples. Right. But she, like, I think yeah, went ahead. Like, all of them are a little bit outside of society's norms. Like, Miss Marple did things beyond what people would think a woman of her age and station would do. Right. Hercule Poirot definitely is like... So I'm just saying, I feel like she definitely feels like a descendant of theirs, but she's a more empowered, like, through the establishment. So, because we haven't described her. She's got a title. We're in Australia in the 1920s. Yeah, it's set specifically in 28. She doesn't seem to have left 28, and I've read six books. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. It was all in the same year. (laughs) But, um, um, so she's, um, uh, she has a title. Um, She grew up poor and has a title. And so she talks about how she knows what it likes to live poor, but then a bunch of people died in England, and then she was able to be after age 12, I think, highly educated and have lots of means. And so she ha- understands and experiences both life. Which... And that's really definitive to her character, which I think you and I can relate to in some ways, not that we're titled now, but that we could understand kind of both sides of the train tracks, as it were. And, right. and she has that, like, I was, we were poor, we were on whatever the Australian or English version, because she, she's in Australia, but she was born there but spent most of her life 
growing up in England. So she was back and forth between Australia and England. But anyways, you know, she was like on the English version of food stamps or whatever. They were super poor. But then in her dad's family in the first war, in the Great War, as they say, many people died that made her dad be next in line for this title. And all of a sudden they're rich. But because she spent, they, her family spent so much time poor and struggling and literally like hungry poor, she now goes around and the money empowers her to be an empowered woman and not to be like intimidated by anyone. But she's not classist at all. She sees people as people and her friends are of all classes. And, um, and she gets it. Like she's never like, doesn't forget where she came from. She lives how she lives and she employs a personal maid and the whole staff and all the things. And that's kind of what's interesting about her. She keeps collecting people and right. often Especially puts them on in payroll. The- yeah. But, Especially in the first book. Yeah. But she, but she knows what it's like to be from, from, from less and she doesn't really have heirs. And that's and why her the- friends can be communists who are like kind of anti-establishment, anti-aristocracy. And although she's of the aristocracy, they can still be friends with her because she right. actually knows how the world works too. And then the other thing that makes her very different from Proro and Miss um, Marple is that she is a sexual person. And everybody in her books, everybody she comes into contact with is assumed to be a sexual person at some level like they have a full and complete like and right and that is one of the things that lust agatha christie bless her heart she dealt with love and she dealt with hate but lust never mentored her mind ever 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 and and or never entered her writing never had entered her writing and definitely never seemed to be a motivation of Poro or um, Miss Marple. Which is At- why I hate that new movie with freaking Kenneth Branagh being a passionate Poro with a love. With a- yeah, especially Ugh. since. Did you see it? That- I haven't seen it, but Ugh. I. so many people on the Agatha Christie Facebook page have been pissed about the opening scene that I've heard about it, but like, but yeah, cause the whole thing is Paro was similar to Sherlock Holmes, um, looked dispassionately at those kinds of motivations. Right, and he, if anything was like, had what we would call like gay characteristics, but you never saw him in an intimacy with a man. Right. And he would understand, he would be like, he would, he would like be like, that is how love works. That's why this one's going to kill that one. And that's how I knew right. that, that was the murder. But it's from an outside He observer. never experienced it. Yeah. And if anything, we got the sense that, yeah, maybe if he did, he would have been gay, but Agatha Christie would never have had that be part of him. There's not like. And right. Miss Marple had none. She was like none, purely absolutely. asexual. And so what's fascinating about this Franny Fister series is she started, she wrote the first one in 89. And especially the last one I just read, Blood and Circuses, which I think was written in 94. uh, Her writing about sexuality and gender is like, are you sure you're not 
writing from the point of view of somebody in 2022. Like, um, right, and I was really, really impressed with that because the one I'm on now, and again, we're going to focus on Cocaine Blues for this, if we can, if we focus on anything. <laughs> but like <laughs> the one I'm on now, which is something about which one am I on now? The Green Mill Murder. Um, there's gay characters, there's lesbian characters, and then Phryne always has a lover or two who's new in each book. Like, she's kind of a James Bond. There's always, like, a new lover or two in each book. And, and by and definition, she says to some people, I'm not yours forever. You know, are you are, are you sure you want to sleep with me? Because I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not that type. You know what I mean? And she doesn't, she doesn't see people in, like, I'm going to marry you kind of way. She sees people of, like, I have an intense connection with you for this period of time. Yeah, she has no designs on anything in the future. Um, she talks about her diaphragm. It's, yeah, they really it's, do bring up her diaphragm. Uh, uh, it's pre-AIDS. I mean, there were STDs, but, um, you know, like, I wonder, you know, because I suppose I'm trying to think about one of the ones that went around in the 20s or 30s, syphilis, maybe. Um, but, like, she, she knows how to take care of herself. Uh-huh. Um, and it's interesting because the way that she talks to men is she sees them as equals. She's like, I'm attracted to you. Let's do this. And then she's definitely dealt with predators and she's like, get the F off me. Why right. I can swear now. I'm not around other people. Get the fuck off me. And she'll <laughs> like, you know, knee him in the balls and be like, no, you know, so it's, she also is not a victim in any way shape or form in any way absolutely not and so this is why i was saying that she's an opposite to them because she usually has a personal interest in some way she she's interested in the the person who comes to ask for help or one of the people she gets to or she develops a personal interest in them right in some way Right. And so like, um, it's what I, I think it's fascinating because she, uh, Marple and Poirot would never develop a personal relationship with somebody they meet, meet on the, you know, on a case, you know, and, and, you know, like, but she like will get personally involved and, in some ways fall in love like she has fallen in love um for lack of a better term you know and loved somebody but then being like yeah i don't want to marry you like no and that that's what's interesting and like she reminds me of a friend of mine who actually i think has the, whatever the sexuality is that she has as it relates to monogamy or whatever where it's like they're very focused on one person for a short time and then right. continues to love them and have a special place for them forever. Right, right. Like, it's yeah. not like, you. I broke up with you and I'm mad at you now because it didn't last forever, but just sort of has, like, we had a moment in time. We had a chapter, which works really well in a book, right? Right, right. And it works well as a reader because you don't have to invest in her relationship with, like, that one Russian ballet dancer or whatever it was. Like, you, you know, it's just sort yeah, of like... Right. And that's what's James Bondy about her is that, like, it's her... And a changing cast of men. Right. Who were yeah. interesting. 
Right. And you're right. It's, it's more like James Bond is that the, the men have something to do with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, a, a, as opposed to, you know, like, although she doesn't yeah. get them killed. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That so was a James, uh, Bond, James Bond shade. Yeah. Totally. James Bond shade. So let's talk so she we know her so at the beginning of cocaine blues which was the introduction to her she's living in england and someone in england comes to her and says we're worried about our daughter all right she so married the, so it. there, it's, it's actually almost it's such a christie-esque setup again this is called Bravo pod and we're talking about things that are agatha christie inspired and i felt like this setup was so christie-esque because there's a dinner party at Franny's family country estate party very christie th- situation right. and there's a necklace stolen and she's like you stole it so and so and i could tell because blah and it was very like how a Christie detective would have done it. And mm-hmm. so then the, the, a family who was at that event said, Oh, you're a detective. Our, our daughter who is married to an Australian and lives in Australia. Um, she gets sick when she's around him and she gets better when she's not around him. She goes to way to rehab, gets better, goes back home when she's sick again. She comes to visit us. She gets better. So we wonder if he's poisoning her, blah, blah, blah. Can you go investigate it? And, and she has been in England for a long time, but she's originally born in Australia. So she was like, and whatever was going on in her life, she was like, this is a good time for me because otherwise I was going to have to like do something with my family's business or something. So she was like, great, I will go to Australia. And it's kind of an out for her. And it was on this person's dime or on a commission for them. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. So she, and I think. But she's she says, also, "Oh, go ahead." She, she, I think she's also bored. Yeah, so she's, she's bored. You know, she's like, "Sure, I'm good at this. Why not?" And I think, yeah, that that when she solved the necklace thing at the dinner party, she just like knew what to say. She wasn't an accomplished detective, so she goes to Australia with this people hiring her as a detective, and kind of takes that as her like, "Okay, I'm a detective now." Right. And she very quickly gets cards made (laughs) as a detective. And uh, so it's interesting because on the one level, and we can break this down, you said, hey, instead of doing Agatha Christie, let's do Franny Fisher because they're light. So in this story is multiple race <laughs> oh my god abortion dying from abor- botched illegal abortion okay there's a lot of not light and and heavy and heavy right and so uh there's <laughs> you're so right you're so right cocaine cocaine um dealers uh there's poisoning drug addiction death drug, drug addiction, addiction dex and decondition so but you're right. What makes... You're right. What is? Why did I say light when this is super heavy? Because everything turns out okay. Yeah, and that's what. But as a reader, and and this is why right now when I'm feeling fragile, we're being cryptic. But um, you guys, if you're a regular listener, know that we lost our father last year, and now our mother is going through a significant health challenge, and so we're me and Portia are. Doing the best we can. 
and it's it was unexpected and rough and so like right now i'm like i can read something where i know the hero's always gonna win and that's right. why i can read this even like you're right it's so funny because i was like these are lighter <laughs> but you're like every all the topics in this are super heavy but and that's just the first one and the second one it's also i mean it's like the the there's a lot of rape there's a <laughs> lot of um yeah attempted sexual violence which is not light right you but, don't have to we don't have to watch rape. We never watch it. Right. But Friday oh. gets the bad guys. She gets the bad guys and she always wins. And that's and the she's, thing. And, and she's like a, she's written as like a five foot four slim build person who. She's got the perfect someone tries to, body. When someone tries to kidnap her, she kicks their fucking ass. And for some reason, like, it feels realistic. It's like Charlize Theron in, um. Atomic Blonde, where you're like, I buy that. Yeah, I think right. she did that. <laughs> and like the way it's written, it's not, you know, it's, it's just, she's a heroine that I know is going to like, she's going to get out of the situation. She's going to save the damsel. She's going to kick the bad guy's ass. She's going to like let the person who is like, if he get away with it. And like, she just, you're right. It's light because I can count on the trope to, to trope <laughs> right and but it lets I, there's, a, there's a thing for me that's like a hormone it, cascade of of the stress but not too much stress and and because of course if you're looking for the country house agatha christie where somebody was killed and then everybody in the family was accused and the butler did it this is not it because it starts out one of the first things that happens when she arrives in australia she often does this like she tells the story from multiple people's point of view including Franny but other people too and then the threads all kind of come together but Mm -hmm. it starts out with a girl who had a botched abortion being dropped off because this of course was when abortion was legal illegal before and now it is again and this is when it happens but anyway she um was uh had gotten infected and two cab drivers picked her up saw that she was super hot and infected and took her straight to bleeding yeah straight to this hospital that is now being run by a friend of Franny's who also came over from england named elizabeth who's a woman doctor and runs this hospital for a woman that sounds awesome and 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 she addresses the sexism because like basically at that time the men doctors wouldn't let the women train with them, even try to become doctors, and those who made it through, they wouldn't let them practice with them. So this is a hospital that the women doctors started to just be like, fine, women doctors right. are going to run this hospital and treat right. women patients. So it's it's a women and children's hospital run right. by women doctors. So you're just like, that sounds like amazing. Right. Like, especially in 1928, you know. Also now. Also now, I mean, I was talking with mom about her experience with a lot of doctors recently, and most of them have been women, and she's been so relieved, you know, to go through this and to be like, oh, thank goodness, you know, and I was like, very different from when she was like, say, having us as, you know, right, and she was like, oh my gosh, it's so much better. So anyway, so, but this woman had had uh, botched abortion and was close to dying from the infection. And by woman, and, you mean very young, very young girl, very young. Uh, now Alice was. Remember, at the end, she's going to marry. See, she's not. She's. 
Okay, like, you're right. She she oh I, there was several plot lines of the terrible abortion situations, but she was a young adult. She was a young adult, yeah. Um, uh, oh right, and she got pregnant from a guy who just tried to act like she he never met her after. Right, it wasn't right. a rape situation. Yeah, right. But then the the abortionist, the guy who did the back alley abortions, also raped them when he did the abortions because which oh. honestly. I would have thought that was unrealistic, but there was that recent news about like that. I think it was in India, but like a doctor who was raping women during anesthesia or whatever. But it's just like, oh god, you like. I would think that's unrealistic. Who rapes a woman as you're giving them a healthcare procedure? Oh no, that happens even now. Right. Oh my god. You're right, Portia. None of this is light. Let's stop the podcast. <laughs> Why are we doing this? <laughs> There's nothing light about this. He's raping them while giving them. But also, this is not a light situation. I quit. (laughs) How did I read that as light? (laughs) Well, but but the good news is, Franny's on the case. Franny's on the case, and Franny always wins. And she just comes in, and she looks amazing, and she throws her money around, but only in a good way. And so let's talk about the people she collected who are then, like, some of them are going to be in future stories. Yeah, so, you reminded us of all the of the heavy stuff. But, like, talk about why it's fun and cool. So she arrives at a fancy hotel. And then she gets there and she's like, and then she sees this girl outside. What are you drinking, like, by the way? Is that um, a fun rosé? No, well, I thought it was going to be a fun rosé, mostly because it has a unicorn on it. But it turns out if you get a unicorn uh, rosé, it's going to be too sweet. So oh. we had it the, we had it like a week ago. If you get a rosé for your toddler, it will taste like it's for your toddler. <laughs> yeah. Your kids do it. love unicorns, but... I mean, who doesn't? But it's too sweet. Um, <laughs> do you remember when we got the, um, the uh, Snoop Dogg rosé? I similar. forgot to tell you! I met up with my friend Scott and Esther like recently in the past few weeks, maybe mm-hmm. a couple Fridays ago. And Scott had gotten the Snoop Dogg Red. Oh, yeah. And Esther was like, Oh, do you know that like if you QR code the label, Snoop Dogg comes out like Obi Nut One Kenobi and dances? Oh my god, seriously? Yeah, and it's not even like it's him. It's like it's that it's that wine label has always done that. And we did it and it happened. Oh my and God, he Obi Wan Kenobi does out of the phone on the wine. You have to do it. I okay, forgot to tell well, you that. <laughs> well, I have to get another Snoop Dogg wine then because we didn't really like his rosé. It was way too sweet. It, yeah, it was the Moscato of rosés. <laughs> it was well, no, even worse. It was like the you know back in the day um, white Zinfandel of rosés. Oh, you yeah. know, it was sweet. But, yeah, it was sweet, like the eighties. The red wasn't you know. that bad. It tasted oh, like dear. the wine that we are having at my friend's house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It wasn't like the wine that I'm having with this fancy dinner, but it was like, this is the happy hour wine that we are having. Yeah. It wasn't so, a sugar wine. So she meets Dot, Dorothy. Um, but Dorothy's like on the street. She's and... about to kill a man. She's literally about to kill a man. Right. Speaking of, she's like telling you about this stuff, but basically... She Dot had been working as a maid in a place, and the um, oh, I forgot her employer, the son of the people who hired her, had sexually harassed her, um, and then um, 
So she was gonna like kill him, and Franny was like, "Don't so, kill him." No, 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 no. Yeah, yes, yes, no, yes, no, 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 yes. So this she so Dot's working as a maid or whatever specific, you know, domestic service role she was in, in this rich people's house. The son is a young man, and he's harassing her. He's sexually harassing her. He's doing all of this. She keeps turning him down. She's he's breaking her boundaries and then when she finally gives him a hard no or she does something to say like no more of this i'm gonna i'm gonna report it or gives him a hard no whatever he goes to his mom and says she tried to corrupt me and the mom fired her with no reference which in her line of work is like you'll never work again because these rich people like, why don't you have a reference for your last job? So it was like, not only did he sexually harass her, but then he ruined her forever for turning down his advances. So, so she was standing to- outside where he's going to be with like a kitchen knife ready to stab him when Franny sees this. Right. So she's like, I need a maid. Come and work for me. And she honestly did. Like, right away. She's like, everything's a mess. And she was like, hey, don't kill him don't worry i'll ruin his life so friday because oh this woman's about to kill this man she's like hey 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 give me the knife give me the knife (laughs) nice young woman and then she's like if you trust me to ruin his life will you not kill him and the the woman's like yes so she walks into the club like you know it's like club as english and i guess australians and indians say club or like it's like a exclusive club where your friends go or whatever so she goes in and somehow like uses the knife or her own knife to like cut his pants so that when he stands up he exposes himself to the whole crowd which is like makes all his friends laugh at him and then the police come and arrest him for indecent exposure so it's like he's both embarrassed embarrassed in front of everybody and he's arrested now and so it's just like total shame because it looked like he did it himself it looked like he because she like does it secretly so no one sees her do it so it looked like he decided to just like show his pp to all of australia all all of rich australia yeah Um, yeah of the club so that's like oh my god yes thank you you ruined his life and i didn't have to kill a man so she's like that's the rest of the time, Dot is, like, the nicest girl. I mean, she had just been pushed to, like, the... Right, you can't even imagine her trying to kill someone, but I think, yeah, she was at the end of her tether, and she probably wouldn't have actually stabbed him. Right. But it's great that <laughs> Franny kept her from finding out if she would have actually stabbed him. So and she's she... like, she's like, look, come work for me, be my maid, I need a maid, I'm a messy rich lady who needs help, and if you aren't comfortable i'll write you a reference blah 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 and then she sort of leaks out to her i'm not as respectable you have to get used to some things you don't have to work for me you can you can go because friny has men come and go things like that and like dot is like oh, i'm a good girl and then she's like eh, it's fine you know she she's able to tell that friny has good intentions and that friny may be promiscuous but like it's interesting to watch dot's progression from very judgmental and yeah. judgmental yeah so yeah and then yeah because that's really interesting because she's like yeah i am respectable except for i'm not I was gonna stab this guy 
No, no, no. I was thinking about Franny is respectable, except for, you know, she has an interest in in a men, and so like, but but right. this idea that in 1928, because what's funny is that that's the year that the first Agatha Christie novel is set. I think. Oh no, no, no. Agatha Christie's first novel was 1919. It was during the Great War. But I mean, so um, that's what's so interesting about this is that the even though there's a definite crossover of worlds, right? This overlaps with the world that Agatha Christie's writing. I didn't even process that part of it because it just feels so different from the world that Agatha Christie's writing in. Well, it it's it, it actually kind of bugs me because about Agatha Christie to go back to you know our focus on Poropod is to be like, no gay people. Hugh Kurab Poirot ran and did nothing. None. None of his stories, you know, nobody had the... Because what um, this author did, what Carrie Greenwood did, is she does refer to it, not so much in this story, but in other stories, she talks about how it's against the law and people can be arrested for it. Um, And people call it the love that not speak its name right or something like that but and in agatha christie's defense this author is writing in starting in 1989 (laughs) so she has you know she has you know more but we but we know that it existed i mean we know that this this happened the modern reader of her story the modern publisher of her story also knows or uh, also is willing to talk about that like looking at the 20s from the 80s and 90s is much different from looking at the 20s from the 30s fair fair or the 20s from there from the from the looking at the 20s from the 20s or from the 30s like well she had to go through publishers and audiences and i'm not saying that christy was out there trying to like wave the flag but yeah. If she were, she might have had it all edited out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and I those authors thinking, probably exist, and we don't know them. Um, Raymond Chandler wrote books, um, mystery books set in the '40s in LA, like the Maltese Falcon. Um, I, I went through. That. I read through a big phase of reading the, um, those kind of hard-boiled. Um, detective series set in LA in the forties. Um, is that like a is that, is that a is that a noir? Yeah, that's what noir. Yeah, the original. Yeah, that's what they. I went through a phase of reading those, and and he did reference. Now, it it what's interesting is that in the book he was pretty explicit about like a person being gay, but this is also. Um, he played on the prejudices and there was a lot of judgments in the book about them. And then when they made a movie of the Maltese Falcon in the sixties or fifties, because of the um, self-censorship that Hollywood did, um, they had to only just hint at people's sexuality because they couldn't do it outright because it was against the code that they created. Um, I think a lot of that stuff is still codified. Like that stuff is like literally like either law or written code for filmmaking in terms of as it comes to 
sexuality. So there was, so when they first started making movies, there was no code at all. So you can actually find films in the twenties and thirties where there's all sorts of, who taught me that Portia or B clearly it's Portia. She's about about to expose it right now. And then B's going to be like, well, actually, but then (laughs) there's this code that, um, Hollywood created, um, once the talkie so you know there was silent films there were talkies then there were talkies and the first talkies there was no rules but then um but (laughs) nice nice uh, that's my reference to the talkies there you go um so then um in the late 20s early 30s people were like oh my gosh we have to have some rules and so Congress didn't come up with this. This code was created entirely by the Hollywood studios, but they had these really bizarre rules about sex. But also, like, did you know that the the rule was in place that if you were a criminal, you couldn't win at the end of a movie? So the original Ocean's Eleven, they successfully, that was filmed in the 60s. You know, Frank Sinatra Mm -hmm. and his old crowd, the, you know, Rat Pack. They, um, they successfully stole the money, but because of the code at the end of the movie, they lost it because the code said you couldn't actually profit from your crimes. And I think that you was said still... this before on this podcast. I've, but I, but yeah, I also forgot it. So I'm glad you said it again, but I think you also taught us this once before. I have never talked about this before. Um, okay. So you I... or Bianca somewhere in my life already yeah. talked about this. Okay, fine. But anyway, so but the Trey is, Trey's gonna Trey is gonna write in <laughs> and let us know if you know, said this. Yeah. Trey is gonna let us know if you already said this on the pod because he listens. Yeah. But um, hi Trey. So, uh, <laughs> so but the point is, so this code had very strict rules about sexuality, and so when they made the Maltese Falcon the movie, they had the character that was written very explicitly as gay in the book. But then in the movie, it was just hints about, but there's, um, there's actually been documentaries now about how um, uh, gay people in the movies were often created, uh, portrayed as insane. Um, and that was a way for them to get around portrayals of it. Like we're showing a gay Mul- person. Fucking yeah. Mulholland Drive. Um, Still mad like, about Mulholland Drive. I'm sorry. Still mad. Uh, but like, um, from Russia with Love, um, the, the second Bond movie, the female um, villain, there's some hints about her being gay and therefore she was insane and, and bad guy. You know, like there was a bunch of stuff about that. So, but my point is, is that American writers- and Stereotypes and- are based in truth because many lesbians are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have to say this again. For any new listeners, I'm I'm a gay saying that. That's just me making jokes about my brethren. It's not because that's cause yes. I would never say. Or you would never say lesbians are crazy. I would because I've divorced seven of them. <laughs> She's only divorced one. She's broken up with more, but she's only divorced <laughs> one. You're right. Context is important. It's in the intro. 
I know, but it just makes me, it's kind of like, oh You're my like, God. Ah, she said, she said, she said, a, she said a discrimination. She said a discrimination. Right. And I'm just like, I'm near it. And I'm like, stop me. It's not me. <laughs> and okay. I'm super deeply offended by these tropes or like, and again, Mulholland Drive. And again, I think there's some media that I should reconsume as an older gay that I consumed when I was like a pre-gay or a new gay where I'm just like, so the lesbian is gay and that's it? I should probably consume it again to see if like maybe it's deeper than that. Wait, wait. But I was just like, he's gay. Wait, what? I mean, sorry. The lesbian is crazy. See, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The lesbian is gay. No, no. But in Mulholland Drive, it's like, it's 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 just like so gay and insane, insane, insane and gay. Ah. Yeah, there's so many bo- movies that did that, and it's so frustrating. But Maltese Falcon did it for sure. But my point is going back to. But not in this, the book. I should read that. But my point, well, in the book, he was still a bad guy, but it was one of the bad guys. But it was always more explicit about his gayness. But also, there's also um, more sympathy of like when you are forced to be an illegal person right Right. if being gay is totally illegal then what you do by just being is already breaking the law so then you're like well fuck it you know what i mean there's a little bit yeah um there's a little bit of more which i think happens to to get way into the sandwiches of it all once you're an other of the law, then like you have a moment to look at all the laws and be like, do I give a shit about any of this? Or you maybe you don't look at all the laws. You just say, they're going to arrest me no matter what. I'll just do. Right, right. Right. Which, you know, and so, but I think there's a little bit more sympathy in the way that it's written. Interesting. But also, but also and it's been a while since I've read the Maltese Falcon or any other noir books, but, um, everybody's flawed in those books it's you know like the the main character drinks too much and the man you know like everybody's flawed um and so uh there's a little bit of like um anti-hero there but for the grace of god go i kind of like thing oh man so that's my life um but i so i i i think that um going back to these books and kind of comparing the Franny Fisher series with Agatha Christie, um, Franny Fisher, the gay people managed to live and have some happiness in a way that a lot of way to take it, way to take it out of the sandwiches. You brought it back around. You brought it back around, which is a little bit of rosy glasses looking back at the 20s and we can imagine gay couples living happily and not being arrested or harassed or raped. But the one I'm reading right now is not great for the gay couples and there's a lesbian couple that's living like in the outback. (laughs) So no one bothers them because they live around no one. And and, and, And then there's gay men and they're literally in fear for their lives and only because of Franny they don't get killed right yeah or arrested yeah. so like I think I think it's rosy glasses in terms of because Franny's here everything's okay right, right but they, yeah, they yeah. T- paint the picture like if Franny weren't here everyone's dying everyone's getting 
Right. Hate crimes. Right. Hate crimes. There's definitely hate crimes. And then there's Agatha, who's like, la la la, doesn't happen. Not a motivation for any of my murders ever. I've been involved in so many murders, but none of them have to do with this. Lust or gay, you know, and that's the funny thing is like, it's not even like gayness at all. It's any sexuality. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's true. It's only love. There's so no... I was trying to look up on our own podcast for anyone new because we have some new listeners. When we say get a sandwich, which was our our euphemism for oh, yeah. when we go off track, um, that is a reference to a very great episode, if you'd like to go back. One of our favorite um, books. One of our favorite books and one of my favorite episodes. I will re-listen to this, which is it's not is it mur- it's murder of the links is it murder of the links? yes 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 yeah because it's is that no why didn't they ask evans oh it's why did it was totally why didn't they ask evans so if you want to know the reference for why we say a reference about sandwiches and bobby when we get off track go listen to the episode on why didn't they ask evans which is episode um number 19 episode number 19 why did evans because that's where we developed that joke and it's a really good episode and it's a really good episode because in the end of the day we kept getting off track oh my lights just went out (laughs) (laughs) can you see that yes um so it, we kept getting off track but at the end of the day what mattered was that like bobby got a sandwich and that's what solved the crime (laughs) Bobby got a sandwich. Bobby ate a sandwich or got a sandwich, ate a sandwich. No, I can't even remember. The sandwich was made by Evans, which solved the crime. That's not all what happens. Evans <laughs> made the sandwich because Evans was a woman and we forget that they exist. So that's what? hashtag what? solves the crime. Oh, goodness. We haven't even said what the crime is in Friday Fisher yet. We oh, yeah, there's a crime. About... There's a crime in this book. Well, okay, we talked about the girl who had the. Robustal. Um, um uh, we had the girl. Oh, yeah. who was... So there's the crime of sexual assault. The crime of sexual assault. With adult with dot being harassed. Well, there's the crime of the girl who got crime a back alley abortion and was back raped. Alley abortion and then... with a rape. Um so that crime. Why did I do this book? And then there's the crime of uh who's selling the cocaine hence the name of the book now cocaine blues was actually a 1920s or 30s american song like a blues song um, and i would say a run a, a theme that runs through these books and again they're written in the 80s and 90s so like it doesn't meet our pc standards for now just know that if you're going to delve into these now you're going to hear some sentences and be like or i say here because i, I audio read which means story time but you're going to read a sentence that's like, oh, oh, no. But, like, it was written in the 80s and 90s. But, so, like, as it's written in Australia, the American black blues experience was sort of like, you know, as hip-hop could be now. Like, the thing, it's good and it's bad and it's, not respectable, but it's the hottest thing, and like all that. 
right? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I, I yeah, because I could do a whole dissertation on the history do of blues. It. Do it, do and blue, it, do blues, um, all the way up to hip hop in terms of like our uh, uh, Americans and actually Australians and British and the, Europeans. Uh, the listener may not know this, but my sister graduated from Brown University <laughs> with a um, major in American studies with a focus on race relations, which was a focus on <laughs> things like this, where it comes to black art and the white consumption thereof. Also, this is her lived experience. So go ahead. Oh my gosh, you you're my publicist? Anyway, yeah, I totally am. I, I, I do days on this in my U.S. history right. class. And so, so I'm going to try to do okay, this in not, two minutes. Ivy League degree in this. This is not just the rantings of some rando. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is also a ranting of a rando. You're a smart but, rando. Smart rantings. The role of African-American music and art as a conscience, an obsession... A, Ooh, not the conscience that's that cuts just saying white america loves black american culture as a conscience so it true. does it, it does i'm saying and so but we've done it through blues um jazz rock and roll and then hip-hop like it's we've done it over and over and over again and so using and then she does it too of like the role of um that music as please you know the um the trope in a lot of books and stories of and so excuse me this is the name of the trope the magical negro um uh, that is like i am showing to you the fault in your ways and then the white person goes oh my god thank you so much for Showing me the fault in Can I tell you a current day uh, use uh, where that trope came into play in, in our lives, mine and yours? Yes. I was telling my partner, Bianca, who is black, the story of our mom's experience with a doctor recently who came in, not in her doctor gear, came in as a black woman, dressed as she would dress, and like... I can't remember if it was in that moment or when she was in her surgical scrubs before she gave my mom surgery and sang to her a, a spiritual song. And I told the story to Bianca that. and she was like, magical Negro? And I was like, no, <laughs> black lady is- doctor. And if anybody here watches, um, anyone listen, watches a, a black lady sketch show and there's this sketch where like, this judge, the lawyers, the defendant, the prosecutor, and the bailiff are all black, and they have this like black lady, black lady courtroom moment. And I was like, no, not magical Negro, black lady doctor. <laughs> like, this is like, she's not here to tell you that my experience doesn't matter, and that like, like you said, that trope, which is about your import, your path as a white person. And here right. I am to just sprinkle knowledge along the way. I was like, this is the person in power in their room with you that used to be a white guy being like, shut up and sit down so I can cut you. And now it's a woman who's who cares about you 
even though she just met you. She has no history with this. She's just the surgeon. She's walking in. She's meeting you, but she under she sees you as a person, and she sings to you before she cuts you open and puts this thing in you. And I was like, it's the opposite of that because she has the power. Right. She's like well, in the storyline. She's she's not the trope. She's the fucking person with power. And I was like, this is how the story changes. To well, me. What's a- What's amazing? She wasn't like the medical assistant saying, "Oh, Doctor Jones, he's going to treat you right." You know, I mean, that would have been the trope, right? No, this is she was the surgeon. She was the surgeon. She held mom's hand as she was going under anesthesia and sang this little light of mine. And that's why I was saying, so you knew exactly when it was. By the time I retold the story, I couldn't remember. But like, again, she's not the trope because the. The person never has any power, and she's literally the person who's going to cut into you next. Right. She she's has the, the power surgeon. in that situation. She's the fucking surgeon. So, anyways, it was funny because Bianca just brought up that trope, and I was like, "No, not that trope, not that." Right. She's, she's not, not like the assistant. Yeah. Yeah. She's not, or or some like friend that cuts out of the story. <laughs> we don't have right. enough time for this. She was like, "I'm a surgeon." I yeah. So anyway, you know, she just gave of herself. To do that because again when you put now i'm on a soapbox when you put non-white men in positions or not when you put when people achieve positions and are allowed to achieve like the system allows for excellent humans to achieve positions where they are the one who's going to cut into you they can see your humanity and 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 see that mom needed that. I'm sure she doesn't do that for everyone. I actually and, wondered and you know, see like, and saw that mom would respond to that, or does that for everyone? And like, what a gift for everyone, right? But I mean, like you, the person who places your, you know, who does the surgery on you that you had zero interaction with before this moment, right? I I like, loved it, but I just can imagine like if you're like my surgeon helped me calm down before I went into anesthesia. And it probably, I'm willing to bet a, a, a lot of money that it helps her, the people who go into her surgery have a better result because they're so Everything calm. I know about, don't clap when you're explaining your points <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> I won't, I'm going to air clap. Everything I know about the research as it comes to healthcare, and and I've been deep into this research and I still am in this, is that yes, having knowing that the person cares about you, the person developing what we call a therapeutic alliance, seeing me as a human, knowing this is important, like you actually care about this, like all of those things, like really matter in outcomes, like. That literally physically matters. Like the most skilled surgeon who's a jerk will have worse outcomes. I mean, as long as we all wash our hands. We're all washing our hands. <laughs> the most skilled surgeon who's a jerk will not has will not have as, as good of outcomes as a, a surgeon who has the skill that that surgeon displayed. Right. You know, because that the patient's experience, the patient's brain is like everything's going to be okay which helps the patient's body respond right. to the medical intervention which is like as we know it's a placebo effect and nocebo effect which is like your body is half of the process and you have to tell the patient that we can do this 
that the patient has to buy in and you have to do the thing. Like both things are true, right? You need it, but the woo-woo side is real. And this is real. Yeah, it matters. So go, by the way, her name was Dr. Johnson. So thank you, Dr. Johnson. You are amazing because you, you know, amazed my mother and she's been having, dealing with a lot of doctors in the last month and a half. And Dr. Johnson impressed the hell out of her. So thank you, Dr. Johnson. I don't think she's had one white man. Anesthesia guys in the first surgery were white men. Like the no, but not the the primary, not the not the surgeon. Yeah, you're right. None of them have been white men. No shade, but. That's yeah, really I'm good sure. for her. And knowing her experience, because she had such bad experience with that when she was last in the healthcare system. Yeah. yeah. Bobby got a sandwich. Bobby got we a sandwich. We have gone way off track. So my point, my our, so our point is, back to our seventh point. I Black love lady the- doctor. <laughs> you were talking about Magical Negro, which is like a hard word to even get out, but that's a trope that we could name as a trope, but like, I don't even want to say that. because I, don't want to I know, I know, I because think. neither of us are Black. It's like, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, so naming the book Cocaine Blues did a little bit of this, like... Which was a popular song, or like a throwback, a popular song of the 20s, so not now times, for the right. author. right. So, because um, she doesn't actually, I mean, she's in Australia, which, by the way, so far, no one in Australia is Aboriginal in any of these books. So just, there's that. So uh, she's not perfect. So like, magically, there's absolutely no Aboriginal people in Australia. Although um, not great, but probably accurate is that might be the experience. That might be the experience. Like, just like if yeah. someone was to write books in Washington, D.C. and not meet a black person, there's certain bubbles for that. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that, like... Right, fair. Or in the well, United States and not meet a Native American whose territory this is. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, but like, she flies into the Australian bush. And yeah, that's the book I'm in. And they talk about whose territory it was of the aboriginals, but they don't exist but she never she never yeah she never so meets did any they of small do they smallpox them as well uh i don't know and i i don't know enough about australian history but i don't think so not as much like not like we did i know um, they're big now i feel like in some ways like the australian aboriginals have done a, a great job of like creating a current modern day presence but like so that yeah in in these books in this book if we keep reading these because she's written up through 2021 like i wonder did she interesting yeah i wonder as as australia goes oh yeah the people who were here i wonder if she also oh yeah before our soccer games we're gonna do this thing um but um Anyway, so, so there's, that's a little side note about her racial sandwiches. Um, but I want to go back to the actual crimes. So we've talked about the abortion thing, and then side note: this is not important to the audience, but it's important to me. Your face looks amazing. 
Despite all the stress we're under right now, your Thank facial you. care regimen looks amazing. Thank you very much. When Thank I come you. to Portland and uh, to the to the listener, um, if everything works out, I'm going to be in Portland for a little bit of an extended period. I'm going to go to your facial care center and get okay. those things because you look great. You Thank look, you. You look like a 17-year-old Norwegian, and I want to be there with you. I do not look like a 17-year-old. I'd be happy looking for like a 35-year-old. Thank you very much. Um, 17 would be weird. <laughs> well, if it's Zoom, it's whatever our video platform is. Okay. It's giving like a Elizabeth Taylor Hugh. I mean, because I still, I do have a 40-year-old husband, so that would be weird if I look 17. Okay, I don't want to make you an adolescent. I'm sorry, but I just like, the, you know, with this pixelated view, you look great. Oh, you're thank looking, you. You're glowing you despite so all kind. the stress in your life of everything you you are so kind i appreciate that thank you and now um i lost <laughs> it distracted you now you can't get your thought process back you're like i'm pretty i can't think anymore i don't know what's next i'm too pretty i don't know what to say i'm too pretty my brain cells have gone away because so many things i'm pretty uh, i love it's you fine. so much okay so it oh. i love you too but so in this book there's the uh, there's the woman who the parents were like, hey, go to Australia and see if our daughter is being po- poisoned by her husband, which is why oh, yeah. she went. Oh, then, yeah. and she's a bitch. That woman is a total bitch. She's a and, bitch, and she also doesn't add up. Right. Sometimes and, she's like, you know what? You got to buy low and sell high. And... She sounds like my girlfriend sometimes, where she's like, okay, so it's on this Reddit thread, and what you got to do is AMC is going down, and this is going up, so you got to buy in here and then sell there, and that's what it has, like, that's what she sounds like half the time, and then the other half of the time, she's like, I'm so scared, and things are shiny. So she does this weird, like, adolescent, I don't know what's going on, feminine thing, and then goes back and forth between, like, being, like, a day trader. And so Franny's like, what is happening? Also, no matter what, you're the worst. I can tell you're the worst. I hate you. Right. And so Franny was hired by her parents to see if she was being poisoned by her husband. That was the whole reason she went to Australia. And then she meets the woman and she's like, oh my God, you're the worst. And the girl was, the girl was, and by girl, I mean woman, because I'm. Her name oh, is Lydia nice. Andrews, right? But yeah. she she goes back and forth between like, oh my god, Franny, be my best friend. I'm such a whatever airhead. And then she was like, buy low, sell high, blah, 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 blah. Right. And, and she's going to blow up to blow up. Here's what I you got to know about it. Amanda's <laughs> knowledge of trading is literally two things. AMC is going to blow up and buy low, sell high. That is it. But the point is... This is as much as I listen to my partner. She says a lot more things. <laughs> And I'm just like looking around the room, thinking about Skylar and Annika, don't know anything else. The point is, is that this woman, Lydia, has a great financial brain and she pays attention to the markets and she has great advice. And her husband is alluding to, I do not. (laughs) I didn't say that. But But her husband, while not having that brain, is a controlling jerk who like is the kind of guy you picture like being like or maybe she describes this in the book, grabbing her upper arm and being like, shut up without that, or we gotta go. But like, also, He is a controlling guy. 
but also, but also she's the brains. But also he's like wanting to give money to dun 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 Bobby Matthews. So remember, I know it's been an hour and we're like, what? But at the very beginning, when Franny exposed somebody who had stolen a diamond necklace at a party in England, and that guy didn't get arrested but ran away in shame, well, guess where he ran to? He ran to Melbourne. And so he, he's now in Melbourne. And, and it also get... turns out like Franny used to date him. No, she didn't. She thought he was an idiot from the beginning. Okay, I'm confusing my Bobbies, but I thought it was a Bobby that she used to like, not, not with interest, but used to. I well, wasn't no, no, no. She was at the party. He was her date at the party at the very beginning, and then she was like, I oh, think it was it. their first date, and she okay. was like, "You're an idiot, and you stole it." And then right. he left England in shame, and then he went to Melbourne. So yeah, like it was like a date. She didn't like in the sense okay. of Friday. Friday would have slept with him. She thought he was halfway decent, but she didn't like. So, and so he's in Melbourne, and he's getting all these rich people to invest with him, and he's still a crook. And she knows it, and she exposed him back. In oh, England. let's let's pull in a literary through line here. What I will that? say is that when it when we compare these books with author's name of Thursday Murder Club and oh yeah Richard <laughs> what's his name Osborne anyway. Osmond yes. something like that yes Osmond I was right okay so Richard yeah. Osmond so I remember when I first read a Richard Osmond book and he was like talking about the the woman who's a detective or the woman who's a cop who becomes a detective and she's like it was the worst date ever and then like says other things that you're not expecting and then it's like she puts on her clothes and goes home and you're like oh it was the worst date ever and she still slept with him and you could tell that like what i liked about that book was that she was sort of like she was not impressed with this man and she still needed sex and like it was very honest about the fact that like i don't i'm not putting anything else into this well it is what it is but i need sex and this is the person right. i'm a hetero i'm asleep with this dude and what i liked about his work and i'm guessing because like we found him Agatha Christie derivative and we find this Agatha Christie derivative so like I'm assuming he's read this too where it's like Phryne finds the best lover ever in every situation but like um, I can't remember her name but the the young woman detective in that finds a person <laughs> <laughs> who is yeah. like and that's like the normal experience of people you know, right. hetero or gay, or you're just like you are person, and I have sex needs, and let, and you are not bad. Let us right do you're this. Not evil. You might be bad at having sex, but you're not evil, right? I don't know you're having bad sex until we have the sex, and then I'll find out that then. But like, I felt like that's well, true. And I, and I really appreciated about the Franny Fisher books. Is like she's always 
it's always the most amazing mountain man or ballet dancer or whatever it is. That's true. All of these sex is awesome. There's no lousy sex. It's and it's always an exceptional man. For different reasons too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so that's what feels James Bondy about it. It's like you can see why this woman was worthy of James Bond. Like you can see why these men were worthy of her. Right. Like they had to be that's exceptional. True. And so for I can't remember her name, but the woman in Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The detective at that one. She's like, Yeah, you're here. And then and I I I think it's really cute how he cuts to it in a way that you're like, Oh, she slept with him. Well, they get it. You know? Like <laughs> sometimes she's gonna sleep with somebody. And back in my single days, yeah, I've been like, like, you are an idiot, but, you know, you're here. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I kind of like that pull through of authors who are nodding to Agatha Christie's works to be like, how do we deal with sexuality? You know right. what I mean? And like, because Friday's sex is always amazing. And she's always amazing. And she's and she's not interested in in partnering, right? It's always like a temporary, short term amazingness for her. And like in 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 the Richard Osmond books, at the end of the last one, which I hope there's more. I know he listens to this, so please know, Richard. We <laughs> we're looking for the next one, right? But like, like you know, when she partners with um, the Polish dude. Yeah, which we haven't even talked about the Polish dude, which is in this book. Yeah, Sasha. You're not giving... Sasha. That's not, that's not his name. Yes, it is. His Sasha? name is Sasha. Sasha Delis. Yes, his name is Sasha. It's on the it... document. In in Cocaine Blues. Yes, his name is Sasha. No, I'm talking about the Polish dude. No, because he's he's not Polish. No, talking... you're so racist. That's just Eastern European. I'm talking about the Polish dude in um. Bog, Bogdan, Bogman, Bog, oh, Bogdan. Osman book. Oh, got it. I thought you were Bogdan. talking about okay, in the Osman book, where at the end of the book, woman who so Patrice is it Patrice or is that her mom? I think Patrice is her mom. What is her name? It starts with Donna. Donna okay, so in Donna, at I the end of the man who died twice, like she and Bogdan have this moment. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is a thing. Right. And like those of us who are raised on American rom coms are like, it's a forever thing. But like right. you could look at this from a Franny Fisher's thing and be like, this could just be who she fucks next for the next but, three months. Right. Which I mean, and here's the thing is like I want something in between, right? Because Franny, for the purposes of these books, seems to have week uh, you know two week long relationships well you said everything that happened in 1928 which i didn't realize i thought these were like <laughs> six months affairs and then it like petered out and then you know agatha christie is like you know i'm forever or but what if it's like five years of you know something you great. want a modern day serial monogamy situation or something in between <laughs> you know between two weeks and you know, uh, and forever. There's, yeah. There's... So if okay, if you were writing, if you were writing the mystery, what would you, the heroine? What would the what would the best romantic be for them? 
probably a combination of one night or two weeks or uh, several months. I mean, like, and because then in the weird. series finale, they end up partnered. Or would you have them have a partner the whole time that they're like open with? Uh, no, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. I am. Me either. I just want to. I guess it's 2022. We got to ask. I know. Everybody's probably now. I, I not know me, not you, is, but, not but everybody me. else is. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not either. Um, yeah. That's yeah. what I thought you were saying. You're like a combination. I was like, gross. I mean, I support that. <laughs> Something support between two weeks. Two weeks. There's, I'm just saying, can we have a variety between two weeks and forever? Okay. The two choices don't have to be two weeks, which is Friday, and forever, which is most, you know, so something in between there or a variety. That's all I'm saying. So we're going to take a quick break. Hello. And we're back. And we're back. Okay. So I forget well, totally where we were. Well, we're on the second part of the crime, which seems to be a thing with Franny is that she's often working like two or three crimes at the same time. That's yeah, true. It's, it's, she, it's never simple. There's always two or three things going on. Uh, um, so she goes to a party and there's the dude who stole that diamond necklace who's like trying to get Lydia's husband to invest money. And Lydia's like too smart and she's like, don't invest money. But her husband's an asshole. And Lydia keeps coming down with something. Right. And that's what her parents were originally worried about. Right. Um, was that her husband was poisoning her. But she also is super smart. But then she meets the Russians. So the Russians is a mom who's like... She meaning frightening. Yeah. Frightening meets the Russians. Uh, a princess and then her kids. Her grandkids. Sasha, the mom grandkids? is dead. Oh, the mom yeah, is the dead mom because is dead. of drugs. Which is so why we're the, here. So the grandkids, Sasha and Ellie. Um, and so they do have a title, but they have no money. And their mom died of cocaine addiction. Mm-hmm. And they are determined to try to track down the person who... The King of Snow! The King of Snow. Who got their mom addicted. Right. And the Russian ballet dancers remind me of the Russian ballet dancers in the Agatha Christie stories. Mm-hmm. Because they are seem less like people I would be on stage and more like sexy people who tango at a party. They seem more like Patrick Swayze's character in Dirty Dancing, where he's dancing among totally. the people. Oh my god, totally! They're totally Patrick Swayze and the woman who had to get an abortion. It's like, not to bring it back to abortion. Oh my god! This episode right. is all about abortion. But they're, but they're 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 totally Patrick Swayze and his dancing partner, who's not his life partner, in that movie. Right. So, Bryony's like, oh, Sasha's super hot, so she sleeps with Sasha, but she doesn't trust him. 
which is awesome. And this is one of those things where the sexual fluidity comes into it because the book introduces that the the twin who's a who's a girl, a woman is also attracted to Franny, but she's not into it. But she's not against that. She's not anti, it's just not her thing. Right. She's just like, oh thanks, but no thanks. Right, but the book introduces it that like my sister would also like you. And then she's like, Oh, not my thing. But also I'm fine with that. I support you guys having rights. What what weirds me out is the brother telling Franny that like that his his sister would also be into you and I was like is this going to be some brother sister action because now I'm that's weird gross that's gross <laughs> there's lines I, I have lines I'm okay with brother and sister being attracted to the same person I am not okay with a threesome not them at the same time gross right yes yes but um, that doesn't happen anyway. doesn't happen um Anyway, they are determined to find out who is the king of snow. And so Franny sleeps with Sasha and is like, I'll work with you. But they were a little bit like, I don't know if I trust you and your grandmother. But they go to this Turkish bath, which um, I don't know what that means in the context of like society but it sounds like a spa where you take a bath and then you get a massage and then you sit in the sauna and then you take a bath and like there's multiple things you could do so Um, i have some context to add to this please add in the washington dc region in now times there was a there was a place called Spa World, which is in I believe the mythical land of Annandale, which is a Korean majority suburb of DC. Okay. And you go to Spa World. I don't. I have never been because I am as as my sister Portia knows squeamish about nudity. Just for for the listener, she made a face, which is an accurate face. I am not squeamish about nudity, so I would. The so Porsche is like, yeah, whatever, bring it on, and I'm just like, oh my god, who's looking at my nipples? And that is <laughs> who we are. But <laughs> also, say. it's interesting because we both have been performers, although I've been more of a performer. But there's a little bit of like, if you've been a performer, you're like, I'm changing, whatever. No, that's the thing. I actually realized it. I was talking to my partner Bianca about this, who's also a performer. I'm actually not a performer. I'm a dancer. I like to dance. I love bar. I love to move. Once you put anything looking like once one person is looking at me, it shambles. That's I'm true. not a performer. You I are. like dance. And like even to today, I will put on my point shoes, I will go to my bar. I will do bar at a park in my neighborhood where no one is. That's, I like dance, but like performance requires an audience and like attention is difficult for me. So like, I think you and Bianca are performers and I am a dancer. You are right. That is Which so is true. weird. It, and I, I think I, it's a weird thing. 
for me. Like, it's weird to be like, I, I like dance, but not performance. But that's, I've never had a moment on stage where I was like, yeah, that was awesome. I've always had a moment on stage where I was like, that wasn't the worst <laughs> at best. Fair. You're right. You're right. I have no memories of being on stage and being like, that's what I was looking for. Every moment I have on stage was like, well, you got through that one, didn't you, champ? <laughs> that's the best. And I'm Fair. sure that okay. you and Bianca have moments as a performer. You're just like, that's the moment I want to go back to. Yeah, it's a high. It's a yeah. It's, it's I've never high. had that. It's not. That's not my thing. It's not your thing. But... I like to like. I like to move my body, but I don't like to be seen. <laughs> Weirdo. Well, what's interesting... Yeah. No, but 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 in what I was talking about, changing and like nudity is backstage nobody's really looking and all performers know this like you could be totally nude backstage and i've been backstage with like in multiple situations where everybody's like i'm just trying to change i'm sweaty i'm just trying to change nobody's looking because it's not part of the performance but then as soon as you're a part of the performance it people are looking and you know the difference and so I have a backstage, which is like, I'm in my own house. Now, if I'm in front of my house, I'm not going to be naked or whatever. But I mean, like there's a, there's a stage on stage, a back backstage on stage difference. Yeah. And I think that's probably part of my, um, un, unhealthy ones to say, that's part of my damage, but that sounds unhealthy. But like, part of me is like, I don't know the difference. Everything feels on stage to me. Mm, yeah. Like even backstage, I can't change it for my partner. I can't change. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like it's just like it's all on stage for me. This is not about that. The point is, <laughs> the book. Where were we? Where was Bobby oh sandwich from? Oh, we were at the spa. Okay, right. So Franny is a Porsche. She's on the manor. She's an actualized female adult who can be a normal person at a spa. So anyways, so the way they point this, it reminded me of what the tales I have heard, which is why I brought this tale up, of spa world in D.C. You go in, you're soaking in the water, you get maybe a massage, you do this, you do that, like, there's naked, naked Korean ladies around. It's fine not for me but it's right. a thing that people do as a as a self-care thing as a as a as a thing that you do yeah and but i've been yeah you've been in places like that in portland right not necessarily that has the massage but that goes from sauna to shower to hot tub right and that's a thing yeah. it's a thing and the thing, and the layer that this place added was that there was a, at some point, a young woman masseuse who was ready to give you a happy ending if you were into that. And Freddie was not. But it was noted that that was an option. Right, right. And then the princess, the Russian princess, suspected they were selling the cocaine out of there. Right. And that was the question. Are they selling the cocaine out of here? 
And by princess loot, to remind you, because we got distracted and we took a break, the princess is the grandmother of the twin Russian dancers. Whose oh, daughter? Twins? I forgot that. They're twins. It's the whole thing. Twins. I thought you'd be into that. But also gross because oh. of sexual reasons. <laughs> so I can see why right. you're like, I don't want to think about that. But no, they were twins. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I do not want to think about my three-year-old sexuality yet. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so the grandmother is the one who was like hinting at this place as a as a lead. So that she asks for a parcel, like a package, and then she gets one from the assistant. And then a finding gets it analyzed and it's just sodium bicarbonate but then the cops show up at her hotel room and in a way no, that she's no, like, no 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 what franny leaves that place which is spa world mm-hmm. and there's a something in her pocket that says be careful of the princess Oh, yeah, she doesn't notice. When there's an envelope of white powder that turns out to be salt, and it's like salt from like the spa, salt, like sexy Mediterranean salt, like salt, but not drugs. But then she gets back to her hotel room, and the cops show up. Too soon. Okay. So, Princess so-and-so says these bath people are running the drug trade. Mm-hmm. And I just bought a kilo of them, or whatever the version of that was. And Franny says, let me buy it from you. So oh, she buys right. it. So Franny buys a big bunch of drugs off the princess who is a grandma of the twins right who want to avenge their mom's death yeah which again I never understood exactly in in if it was if this is with an egg of the Christie this would be my like questions for later like why did the grandma buy those drugs from the person but anyways so Franny buys the kilo off grandma Right. And sends both the pack the little packet that came with like be careful of the princess and this big thing and sends them to um her doctor friend. Her doctor friend to be friend. analyzed. And she also realizes that she's being set up. So she scans her whole body, she scans the, her whole room, and she finds some things that have been planted there. So More little gets, packets of white powder. So she gets rid of things that have been planted in her room. She sends off these ones to get analyzed and then right away, boom, police show up at her hotel room, which is like the fanciest hotel in the town. Right. And they're like, we have a warrant to search. So they search. They don't find nothing because Franny already threw away the thing that she found planted in her room. But then it's like the search is ongoing and she realizes she has a feeling that one of the cops is going to plant something during the search. So she's like, well, before you search me, search yourselves. Will you agree no, to no, that? After you search me. Like, she's like, search me, but now you didn't find anything, so search yourselves. 
And then, and then the constable, not the detective, but the constable had something on him because he was going to plant it. Right. And um, and then it turns out that they were threatening his kid. Right. They were like, plant this evidence or we'll kill your kid or whatever. Right. Which sucks. And then, by the way, we meet a good cop. So if you watch the Franny Fisher um, TV series that they did, Jack Robinson is still a good cop who believes Franny, but in the TV series, they have him have sexual tension with Franny. In like a, in the book. But in the book, he's happily married with a wife and kids, but he just trusts Franny. Yeah, there's no sexual tension with them in the book. And it's fairly nice because she has sexual tension with a lot of people, but oh my God, people in the real world. It turns out that women and men can respect each other and have no sexual tension and work together and have no sexual tension. I'm just saying, as a straight woman who's been working for 25 years, I've worked with hundreds of people and had no sexual tension. It turns out, but you know, in the TV world, the only reason we care about these people is because they have sexual tension. Um, but anyway, that's just a little side note because they did add that for the TV show. You so Franny, Franny had sexual tension all the time in her in these stories. It was, was always someone new. But it was always someone new. And then, but in the TV series, they added this sexual tension with the cop. But it was the unresolved. That's so unnecessary because he's married, and the one you're like, he's married, and they just respect each other. He's just like, oh, she's a smart person. I respect her. Right, but they added this like Sam and Diane, moonlighting, like unresolved. We're just gonna so unnecessary. Yeah, but you know. I was into it in the story. And then when I read these, I was like, oh, yeah. It makes more sense that he's like, Franny, I don't quite understand you, but I trust you. You're smart. And, but I'm not having this extra, like, sexual tension part to it. Anyway. Um, so that was just my, my little. But so he was there who respects Franny, who's met with her. I can't remember they must have done something before this. I'm trying to remember, but that wasn't the first time. Was this the first time she met Jack Robinson? I think this is the first time. Um, she just got to the country. But um, but anyway, the constable was the one who was blackmailed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it was like they really are getting annoyed at whatever Franny's doing. Right. So they were trying to get her arrested. And then because she was staying at a super fancy hotel, the guy's like, you need to leave. And she's like, I didn't actually do anything. I was innocent. So there was a whole thing there. But anyway. So now she's trying to figure out where the cocaine is actually coming from. Right. And she also gets... Um, 
hair and nail clippings from the original woman whose parents were like we think okay so we didn't talk about that enough which i was like Porsche's getting smart i don't know what to say but i was like wait i know this part okay so Franny was originally sent to australia to track down this woman what's her name lydia lydia to see what's going on with her she meets her and she's like she's smart but plays like a bimbo She's she's an awful person. She's the worst, but also like, what's happening there? I do think her husband is sort of abusive, but also what's happening? So anyway, so she's kind of she's weaseled her. Franny has tried to wiggle her way into Lydia's social circle enough to be like, what? Like you're like, oh my god, I like she does this damsel thing and she. I was like a bimbo, but then she's like, oh, no, what your your husband needs to do is this and this and this and this financially and whatever. And anyways, and like you can see, we and we saw enough to see that the, that Lydia's husband is kind of abusive, but also stupid. So yeah. anyways, she gets, she knows that Lydia's, or she is, she guesses that Lydia's maids etc domestic workers will be not that loyal because she's a jerk Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. friday defends them and gets them to collect her dna basically hair and nail clippings right and then gets them analyzed and is like yeah she's totally being poisoned with arsenic and then friday figures figures out or deduces that lydia is Poisoning herself to incriminate her husband? Isn't that right? Yeah, that was at the very end. We figured that out. Yeah. Was that too soon? Well, it's okay. I mean, we're, we're, we're an hour and a half in. I think it's not. I thought you good. were going there. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. But yeah, so Lydia, the ending thing is Lydia is the king of snow. Okay, now She's you win. And you can, be, you can be a lady king. It's 2022. She, she, but she wrote this in 1989, about 1928. But yeah. We're just saying, you could have always been a king of snow if you were the queen. But the reason her parents were worried about her was that she was giving herself mild doses of arsenic and then eventually was planning on poisoning her husband and then being like oh it happened to me but she's built up an immunity right like so she's been poisoning herself a little bit slowly over time in order to do like in the princess bride how he does totally but also later to that was Iocane party, the Iocane pi- powder, which I don't even know if it is a real thing. <laughs> and um, um, this was arsenic, but also because she's going to later poison her husband, but also poison herself, but she wouldn't have died because she had built up an immunity. Right. So a third party poisoned both of us, but I've been building up an immunity to Iocane powder. Right. So. And so the Friday does this thing where she dresses up 
like a prostitute. Oh, and we forgot to talk about Bert. We have not talked about them at all. We should. How do you say the other guy's name? Because I've only read it. Oh, wait, C-E-C. let me look at it. C-E-C. Bert and Sec? Sess? 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 I have to okay, say it's... Sess. I feel like that's what the audiobook says. It wouldn't be Sec. It would have been like, what? So it's C-E-C. Sess. So Bert and Sess. Yeah. So they are cab drivers, um, great war veterans, and communists. They are awesome. They have great morals, and they're the ones who discover the girl at the beginning who had a... uh, Somebody put her in the cab, and then they were like, you need to go to the hospital. And then Sess actually sits at her bedside while she's going through it, the girl who had the rape and abortion. I feel like at Um, the end, they end up together. Sess and the girl. Yeah, he proposes to her at the end. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler, way into the podcast. (laughs) So anyway, Bert and Sass are like not sure about Friday because again, title, money, and she's like Yeah, they're they're super communists. And they're like, but she's like, but actually, I'm not. You know, she was like, I'm Jenny from the block, you know. Um, (laughs) I mean, come on, is she not? No, you're right. She's so Jenny. I'm like Jenny from the block, although I'm a millionaire now. Um, and they're like, uh, okay, maybe. But anyway, they align with her. So to do this um, track down the King of Snow thing, Franny dresses as a prostitute and Bert like stays with her or is like in the background so mm-hmm. they're watching this bar where they're like this is where people are getting the cocaine and they're watching people walk around and trying to observe like how it works like the and it's on the back side of that Turkish bath which would which you call the spa what you call what you, what you call it? Spa world that's the spa world it's on the back it's the same building but it's the back of that which was weird. Is that weird? Well, You're like, maybe. it's a different neighborhood. It's in the same neighborhood she was just in. Okay, fine. But um, they're watching how it works and then Sasha, the Russian dancer who she had slept with, shows up to get in a fight with him because he figured out some. And she's like, dude, you're going to fuck it up. So and, he gets. He and gets remember, tapped. the reason he's showing up to fight with them is because he's avenging his mother's death, who died of cocaine. Right. But he gets captured by their thugs. Right. And then Franny's like, "Fuck! Well, I gotta go rescue him." So she gets captured, and she's like, "Bert, go get people." So now Sasha and Franny are both locked up. And then they're locked up dealing with the henchmen. And then who's the king of sh- snow but shows up and it's Lydia who is the worst. It's Lydia. But you're like, so you were pretending to be a bimbo that was all an act. Right. Um, Lydia's like, I hate men. I hate sex. 
Franny, you're kind of smart. You could join this. And Franny's like, fuck off. So she locks him up. And then Franny's like, you know how we could piss her off? We could be pretending to have sex because she clearly hates sex. So there was definitely a... Yeah, that was weird. Well, you know what's interesting is... And having read further ahead on this, this author, unlike Agatha Christie wants people to have a full complete sex life and she's totally okay with um everything everything she doesn't understand asexuality she actually right. is anti-asexuality right so that was weird because like in this one she was like oh this woman she hates sex as a concept so we are pretending to have sex or having sex that's going to throw her off and we can take her out of her evil lair. Right. It's like the Achilles heel of this. It's like, if we be sexy, she'll be like, I'm melting. Right. Which, and I was like, well, that's interesting to like use sexuality as the kryptonite to a person who finds sexuality. But it also, it also, I and that's one of the things that I have realized as I've started to realize m- my own prejudices about this where I was like oh people who were asexual were just suppressing and then realizing no there are people who just aren't they're just not they're just not they're, they're just not and that's okay right so I think you and I reading this are like leave us poor asexuals alone so like, okay, she's the worst and she's a killer, but don't like torture her with sex just because she's mean, asexual. But, but that was her way of catching her. But yeah, it was definitely it reminded me, and I'm sorry, Carrie Greenwood, and maybe I haven't read anything past ninety-five. So, but it reminded me what I was just talking about, what they used to do with writing about gay characters, that gay char- characters were inherently crazier homicidal or whatever you know but her would like all sexuality is okay but asexuality that those are the crazy people oh yeah interesting yeah it it definitely framed that way and now that we in 2022 have all of the letters including a and plus lgbtqia Plus, plus, right? In Which case we like, didn't know it yet, the plus right. means we might not have gotten to you yet, but you count. Right. Which is like, it's okay if you aren't into it. Because it turns out Agatha Christie wanted to assume that all of the people who weren't straight were just not into it. And that's annoying because we're like, okay, Agatha Christie. I'm sorry. Some of those women who were living together with their companion. Come on. (laughs) But also, Carrie Greenwood is like, they were all into it. Everyone was doing it. If they weren't, they were insane. Right. But it's like, no, it turns out if you're not into it. There's a big chunk of people who are just not into it. Yeah. And and this was something I had to understand 
as somebody who was into it. You and I are like, that kid, that can't be a thing. You gotta be either a Porsche or an Amanda, but you can't be an, a neither. <laughs> right! You're like, turns out there's a neither. There's a neither. Because and that's are... why it's important for us to learn about these things because we only know our own experience and those close to us. So we're like, okay, I know what a Porsche is. I know what Amanda is. There's a, oh, there's a Pam. There's a Pam. <laughs> there's a Pam. And Pam is a Miss Marple of it all. Right. And that's normal too. And it's normal too. And again, Agatha Christie had a lane for that. Like, and that's what's interesting about Agatha Christie's writing is that, like, she has a lane for these non-partnered individuals who are so important. And being partnered didn't make them important or not important. They're imp- they're important despite being not partnered. Which well, in a society that where your importance come from being partnered. Right. But it turns out we know in 2022 there are so many lanes. There are lanes of guys and girls and non-binaries who are like, you know what? I'm not into any of it. But there's lanes for people who are into everybody. There are lanes for people who are into same sex. There are lanes of people who are into opposite sex. There are lanes of people who are into everybody. There are lanes of people who are into everybody all the time. There are lanes of people who are people who want to settle down. There are so many lanes. So many lanes, man. And in my lifetime, I've had multiple lanes myself. I'm picturing like a big Lebowski bowling lane situation. <laughs> The audience doesn't know that we've, uh, you got me and my partner playing Hurdle and Movie Doll and Framed, and the Big Lebowski just came up in one of them, and I had seen that, and I got it eventually, but I'm bad at movies. I suck at all those games. Your girlfriend is the best at that. I'm, it's, it's insulting how good she is at that. Like she, she's been... like one second of the movie, one second of the song, one second of one frame of the movie. I get it all. Like it is incredible. What we need to do is somebody to do a TV show. So has anybody hadn't done a TV show of these? A uh, game like this, but she is the best pop culture person I have ever met. She's a prodigy. She really is. Um, and so it's like if if Chris and I can maybe get it, we're like, woo, I was as good as Bianca. Like, it's like, oh my god. And just FYI. And I'm like, fail, 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 fail. And she's like, it's funny because like, the other night she had the moment where she was like, ugh. Because like, there was a, we were watching um, a movie called Kung Fu Hustle, which was amazing. Yes. 2004. Do you know it? Yes. I had never seen it. I love Kung Fu. I'd never seen it. I like Kung Fu movies anyways, but I'd never seen it. So we had a date night the other night and we watched it and I was like, but when the the girl who is portrayed as a, I'm putting this quotes on this, a mute, and there she signs and I was like, oh, that's funny. That's American Sign Language. 
And Bianca was like, how do you know that? And I was like, I know a little like, sign language. She was like, fuck you. You know too many languages. <laughs> and she had this moment where, like, you're so smart because you know languages. Because I, like, know Spanish, so I'm learning Norwegian. And apparently I know a little bit of American Sign Language enough to know that that was American Sign Language that she was using. She was like... Hold time out, podcast listeners. My sister studied ASL for a, quite a while. <laughs> Which apparently I never told my partner. <laughs> Well, yeah, so hold on. You you definitely know the difference between ASL and other sign languages. Yeah, so like in the movie, she signs, do you remember in the past, you helped me. And so I said, oh, that was ASL. And I said what she said. She was like, how do you know that? Oh, my God, you know every language. You're so smart. And she had this like low self-esteem moment. And I was like, you know every hurdle, every movable, every frame. Like, you're the smartest person in our group chat. Like, we just have different things that we're into. I'm learning Norwegian. I know Spanish. I know some ASL. Like, I just like languages. Stop saying you know some ASL. You studied it for quite a while. Yeah, but like in high school, I studied it in, for quite a while. So Okay. Wait, we were, we're talking about a book. <laughs> were we? There's I a think book so. Okay. Okay. So, Bobby got a sandwich, and the funny thing is, is that Bobby in this book is the guy who stole the necklace at the very beginning. Which that's right. It's funny because we say Bobby, and it's like, oh, not that Bobby. We this don't want Bobby's his sandwich. Horrible. So, uh, anyway, so Franny and Sasha have been captured by the cocaine drug kingpins. And then Lydia the shows up. The King of Snow, who's a woman, because it's 2022, and the king can be a lady. Except for it's 1989, pretending to be 20, 1928. But whatever. Either way, the king can still be a lady. They definitely king can be a lady. Any of those times. I thought that because when I was like, when something happened, and like your daughter was gonna be Spider Man or Batman, and you were like, you can be Batgirl. I was like, she can be Batman if she wants to. Every everyone knows every girl wants to grow up and be Batman. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Did I say that? I feel bad. Oh my god. I remember what happening where it happened where I called her either with Spider-Man or I think I called her Spider-Man because, you know, your daughter's climby. She is definitely climby. And you were like, Spider-Girl. And I was like, mm, I don't know. And like, there's a lot associated with that. Like, why why is the Spider-Girl not as good as Spider-Man? But like, also, your daughter can be Spider-Man if she wants to. There's a she lot of layers. Not, I don't I haven't taken enough gender studies. Or any, so. But you're right. You're right. Call me on that. Uh, you're so right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's adorable about you is that like gender is complicated. So when you meet a kid on the playground, you know, girl is wrong. So you're like, we met a young lady, and the person was <laughs> two and a half. And I was like, I think you can say kid. <laughs> kid. Did I like instead of saying story? girl, because you don't know their life. You'll be like, we met a young lady on the playground. Oh, sh- and I'm like, I have to tell you what, what are you, Herb? <laughs> no, no, no. Did I tell you this? So we're at their three-year checkup. Did I tell you this story? No. So their three-year checkup was like a month ago, right after you left. And we go in and they're doing the three-year like quiz. Like, can they do this? Can they do this? Can I they do this? They were like, 
Oh, their appointment couldn't interfere with the mom appointments. Anyway, yeah, I remember that was coming. So we're filling out the forms. Can they draw a straight line? Can they draw a circle? Da, da, da. And they're like, when you ask them if they're a boy or a girl, what do they say? Because that's a three-year milestone. So I said to Attica, like, it's You're like, we're in Portland. So I said to Attica, are you a boy or a girl? And Annika said, I'm Annika. I'm a kiddo. Oh, see? And I said to Skylar, are you a boy or a girl? And he said, I'm a kiddo. Oh, you're winning parenting so hard. And then then Chris said, is daddy a boy or a girl? And they said, you're a grown-up. And so, yeah, they've they, grown up in kiddos. They understand how to make divisions, which I think that the point of the three-year thing was like we can put people into categories, right? But we've literally like corrected them on the playground, like, "Hey, don't make assumptions. You don't know that person's life. That's a kiddo, because that person we just sheet is a he or a they, right? Like it's happened in real time for them, so it's not even like." I don't They're even not... think I don't even think they know what boy and girl means. We've never used those terms. Because you know what we do? We say there are people who have penises and we say there are people who have vulvas. But we've never given them a name. And they know she and he, but those are opt-in categories. And because we know people and we have friends. And we've never talked about their genitalia. We just said some people have and some people don't. We never have given a label. And then they know grown-ups with she's and he's, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we've never said all of the she's have any of the same genitalia or anything. Like, we've never said boys have penises. Oh, you're winning parenting so hard right now. And actually, Chris was like, maybe we should say you're a boy and a girl. And I was like, why? Why would you well, do that? You don't have to, but I, I think he was a little bit weirded out by the doctor, but I think this is a form from like you know, the 80s. It's like a three-year-old will say... That's a boy and that's a girl. Which is what you and I are trying to unlearn right now. Right. Right? Like, I see a human my brain is like three-year-old me was trained boy-girl, boy-girl, and then like I put him in a category and I could be wrong and then everything, I have to work really hard Right? So, like, if my brain is just, like, kiddo grown-up, that's so much better for my brain and for society. If I can just be like, hey, person, what's your pronoun? Right. Which, yeah. So, my kids don't know boy-girl. That's amazing. Did I not tell you that? That was, like, a No, you ago. didn't. I mean, but also, we've had a lot going on in the past month. Fair. Yeah. But my kids... We haven't talked about anything else but terribleness. Since I don't think we've had any like fun kiddo conversations. That's why it's good to do the podcast because we talk about we like vaguely refer to the terribleness, but we don't like actually get into it. Right. So anyway, so isn't that the cutest? That is so good. I was thinking that because when I left, I was like, I'm gonna have to tell Portia that like just call them kiddos because I was like, you were like, we met a young lady, and I was like, you said that once. I was like, it's okay to say girl. <laughs> but I didn't want to say girl. Right. So then you're like, 
We met a young betrothed. <laughs> <laughs> like you're like the the maidenhood of said witch Salvi. I'm like, well, that's not the direction to go in. Why are you going more old timey? <laughs> Girl, it's not a bad world. We just don't know if it applies. <laughs> just say kid. <laughs> Which I think I ended up doing because that's what my kids went to. Oh, God. You're going to have to cut this out. This is not related to the book in any way, shape, or form, but it's hilarious. But gender is complicated and good to talk about. Oh, God. That's so funny. It's so good. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say girl. Because girl's not a bad word. <laughs> but because I'm gendering. so Yeah, but, but young gendering. lady is not any less gendering. It's just fancy gendering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, girl the is not bad. My kids didn't catch that. My right, they didn't like, catch that, which is adorable. Like, at the end of the day, they're like, they see themselves as, like, both kiddos, and they have two grown-ups. And they, they have, have a lot of auntie, uncles, and other grown-ups who love them. And they're just like, they're like, that's how amazing. Like, I love that for you. How did this relate to the book? I have no idea. This is your Whoa. fault. This is not my fault. It's 2.19 a.m. for me. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just coasting oh my God. at this point. Okay, you're right. Okay, and there's you... a book. Okay, so there was a drug dealer and there was an abortionist who was terrible and rapey. No, but we were at the end. We were at the end. So Franny and Sasha were captured. And oh, yeah. And the way they were capturing her, the way they threw her off base was to pretend to have a sex because this author has a like a little bit anti asexual because right, 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 she was right. evil because she was asexual or right. it led into that anyway so then it threw her off and they were able to get out right and oh yeah because they fake sex and then she was like oh gross the sex i can't deal with it let them escape so anyway so then they also, I just want to say this, this was a fascinating moment about this book in that they said a certain phrase about finding a way to get an abortion. And this goes heartbreakingly to 2022 mm -hmm. where Roe versus Wade was overturned and in our own country, this is going to have to be a thing. But in this book, they said, hey, I need to know an address. Mm -hmm. And people said, oh. And then yeah. someone said, it's not for me. It's for a friend. But I need to right. know an address. Right. And just that quote. That alone was the code. For I need to get an abortion. Right. And they had three different people ask in their own social circles. And they found 
three different numbers and two of them were people who said women who said we're here we'll help you out can we pick you up right and the, and the third, third one was predatory was the guy who would be like i'll do it also i'll rape you also you might die of infection right and so hello, right and the t- point of the book wasn't to uh put in jail illegal abortionists because that was portrayed as something that happened and that was necessary because people are going to get abortions. But it was like the ones that are predatory, which is the whole point of it being illegal because you can't tell the difference or there are both things will happen. Right. Because what if you are, there'll be altruistic ones. And also when something's illegal, gross people are going to get involved. And so the person they caught was literally called butcher George. Yeah. And they caught him because they had uh, uh, Franny got the information, called around, could tell the difference just from the way they answered the phone. Right. Figured out which one was the predatory one. And then the female uh, um, constable put right. herself in, in harm's way and almost got raped right. to like have this happen. And so it. And she got a Medal of Honor in the next book. And when Carrie Greenwood wrote this in 1989, pretty sure it seemed like, wow, that was ancient history. This is a distant memory, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to talk about it like this week when we're right in the middle of this stuff. But, you know... Which is not why I suggested it. I was like, it's light, not light at all. Nope. (laughs) Nope. I mean, it's not, but for those of you who are looking for the hero saves the day. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't think about this until you said it this summer, as we have been going through worrying about our mom, I have been rewatching James Bond movies. I watched all of the uh, Pierce Brosnan ones, and then I just watched all the Roger Moore ones. All of the Roger Moore ones had so many cringeworthy moments where I was like, "Oh God!" But I watched all of them because I know the hero saves the day. Right. I mean, the brown person is always going to die, and the first two girls are always going to die. So, like, that's just expendable people because what the fuck um but but why am i watching it it's because the hero saves the day and why am i reading Franny fisher because the hero saves the day she saves and, the day and she never loses Franny never and, loses and that horrible guy who was doing abortions and also and the bad guy the always loses the bad guy always loses which more also importantly is the bad guy loses in an embarrassing or ba- painful or bad way right and i'm sorry agatha christie but sometimes we're like the bad guy kills himself it's not it's satisfying. satisfying but franny fisher the bad guy loses 
Yeah, it's satisfying. And I so, don't need her to blow my... Again, I'm not... This is no shade to Agatha because Agatha was like, what can I do in the next book to change it, to blow their minds, to make it unexpected? Like, she was a genius of this. And creating a genre. like Creating a genre. So and again, that's why know. I say like Shonda Rhimes, like she created the trope and then she's breaking it because she doesn't want which, the reader to know what's happening in the next book. Which you didn't say the Shonda Rhimes thing on air on the oh. podcast. Okay. Well, I was saying that like, I always liked Shonda Rhimes productions initially because she would, does a great job of creating a trope. And I'm like, great. Dopamine cycle crisis hero comes in, something's happened. It's solved. And then her, in my experience, I haven't watched all of her works, but like she then like creates a trope for a few episodes. And then it's like, let me disrupt it. Here's how this all goes left because that's boring. And I'm smarter than that. And the audience is smarter than that, but I'm not smarter than that. Or I don't want to be smarter than that. I want a father Brown mystery that repeats itself over and over and over and over with the same trope with different players and the same thing when I'm stressed. Right. I was going to say, it's not having to do with smart because I liked being intellectually challenged or emotionally challenged when I'm not spending all of my emotional energy working about my kids and my mom literally at the same time in my same house. Right. So it's like when, when you know when you're low resource and you're just like, I can't take something smart right now. And again, that's why I like the Franny Fisher books because they are well written. Like all the sentences are like really good. Like it's all polished. It's really good. But she stays within the trope so that I don't have to feel like, oh God, what's going to happen next? Like if if I'm I'm listening, again, I always audio read, but like if it's a stressful moment, I don't have to like really hold my breath because I know she's going to come out okay. So and I, I need that right now. Just got to say, Blood and Circuses, which is the next one for you. I was a little, it was a little tense. There was a Tenser. couple times where I was like, what's happening here? It does end up okay. But I was a little bit more like frightening. She takes it further. Is... She takes a little further. Oh, um, so it was interesting because I was like, why is this bothering me? And so I, I also, I would love to do a whole nother episode about uh, this one because it was written in 1994 and she talks about being transgender without ever using the words because she wrote this in 1994 about 1928 they don't have any of the language we have now. Wow. And it's fascinating. And okay. I, I want to spend a whole nother episode talking about just that book. Oh, we interesting. Okay. Blood we have circus. to do it. Again, yeah. we, can, we need to get back to NRM, but also like what we love about Agatha Christie is that it's smart and hard. And we're not necessarily in that place right now. So maybe our podcast <laughs> takes a left on it's still Agatha Christie inspired mysteries, but things that we can tolerate better for our nervous systems right now where things are hard for us. So we recommend the Carrie Greenwood. Okay, books. wait, 
to to give a summary because we didn't take them there the so Franny Fisher went to Australia to find this wife and find out if she's being poisoned turned out she's the bad guy she was poisoning herself she was poisoning herself because she was trying to in the end of the day kill her husband and like set him up like he was he was trying to like kill her and like be the drug kingpin of all of Melbourne right so and then Franny in the meantime Right, she she caught the abortionist and got him sent to jail. She hired Dot as her secretary, and she Dot got was just Bert like... and ceased to be like friends with her, who would help her out. And they were cab drivers, so they have like a underground, like what's going on in the outside world kind of view. And, and... then she's like, "I think I want to be a private detective in Melbourne." And then that she took on a cool. lover, and her lover was uh, Sasha, the ballet dancer, who wanted to avenge their mother's death by cocaine, which ended up happening because the drug dealer went to jail. And she avenged. Even And even though Sasha's grandmother was like, yeah, sleep with her, but then like use her. Right. And like get money from her. And she's like, yeah, I'll sleep with you, but I'm not going to be blackmailed. I don't actually give a shit. You right. Can you like, can like say she slept with me. And, and Franny's like, yeah, I slept with him. Who are you gonna tell? I'm rich. And and Who Sasha was like, you know, it was fun for me too. I wasn't actually gonna try to use you. Right. Cool beans. And we never see Sasha again in any of <laughs> And meanwhile, stories. Sasha's twin sister was also into Franny, but Franny doesn't isn't gay, so it didn't happen. But they bring up lesbian attraction in it, which I thought was interesting. Right. And they didn't they didn't make it gross. They were just like, Sasha was like, oh, my sister would totally be into you. And then Franny was like, well, that's not my thing. But it wasn't like, ew, gross, she's gay. It was just like, oh, that's not my thing. So they even in that one bring up that there's alternative sexual identity. Well, they bring it up twice, both with Sasha's sister and then at the spa where they have a woman who would do it. And she's like, no, thanks. But not like, ew, no, thanks. But like, yeah, no, thanks. Well, yeah, because like the woman's like giving her a massage and like sort of starts to do happy ending stuff and she's like no thanks but I was like is that gay or is that just I don't know what that is but yeah well, that's more yeah but I mean like but you could see someone who was virulently anti-gay being like fuck you that's right absolutely not right you're right weird and I'm it was brought up it. and I was like again as a reader I was like oh oh my yeah she turned <laughs> down the she turned oh down my. the happy ending stuff it's like, oh my, okay, okay, I wasn't expecting that. So yeah, so the book does all that. She wraps it up. And everybody, uh, seriously, it's the most happy ending. She literally has a dinner party with everybody who had been affected. It's super um, happy, happy fun times, but it doesn't feel so abrupt. I would say and, as Agatha Christie, no offense, Agatha Christie is a master, but like, Agatha Christie was in a rush often in her endings. And so it was like, everything's terrible and dying. And now, yay! But in the Franny Fisher, it's like, oh yeah. There's a little bit more of a nuanced transition into super happy fun times. Which, honestly, oh, hi, Sushi. Hi. There's a cat in the camera now. (laughs) Um, Hello, pretty kitty. um, Sushi, that was, that's the computer. Okay, that's, okay. Um, But all of the Freddie Fisher books do this like super happy fun ending where you're like the dopamine hits are real 
but I'm very curious once you read the next one or hear the next one what you think. Because okay, I can't, I'm really curious now. You're enticing me about that next one. I mean, it's yeah, it hit me in a different way, not in like a bad way, but in a different way. So I'm very curious. Well, thank you, audience, for your patience for listening to uh, episodes. And then when we got here, we finally didn't even talk about Nagata Christie for letting us go on this excursion because of stress in our lives. But I hope you take a break and listen to a Franny Fisher or mystery. read or read or read. Not everyone listens. People li- people read with their you eyeballs. Started, you started out with with. <laughs> People read with their eyeballs. Not everyone listens, Amanda. Some people read with their eyeballs. Not right. me anymore. I just listen. Okay. Well, thank you, listeners. I'm sorry it's been two months since we published anything. And we will may or may but, not take two months for the next one. But and we may or may not get back to NRM. I love Everm. We have to get back to Everm. Okay, well, I, we my... need to re-record from the beginning because I don't even remember the one that I fell asleep on. We have to start from the beginning on that. Sure. <laughs> also, listeners, uh, I don't know what kind of spiritual belief in you are, but fuck cancer. So yeah, so whatever you have um, in your spiritual network, call it in for our mom because we 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 could use it. So, but. But uh, anyway, it's so fun to just talk about mysteries for a little while. Yeah, I'm so glad we did it. All right. I love you, Portia. Talk to you soon. Bye, listeners. I love you, too. Bye, listeners. Bye-bye.